Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. I've just um, just put on my phone to record, I might need to turn it down slightly, um, to record what's going on and, and it says I can only record 805 hours. So <laughs> I'm going to keep it brief this morning. Um, just uh, whilst we were worshipping, I was just reminded of uh, these um, verses from Luke 2 and um, just the angels coming in Luke 2. And it says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased we don't normally read those verses outside of Christmas, do we? But um, the thing is, they were there and they were praising. They didn't have any amplification. Um, they didn't have any microphones or anything. Um, but actually, the heavenly host heard. And um, the really cool thing is that Jesus was just born. Jesus hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't won the victory at that moment in time. But the heavenly host was praising. And I want to encourage you, Julia. The battle is won. So this morning, um, uh, you'll remember uh, if you were here last week that uh, Neil told you that I was going to speak about uh, the Word and the Spirit uh, this morning. And uh, I want to start off uh, with reading uh, a little bit from... Uh, the beginning of uh, this book, um, which I found out you can still buy on Amazon if you buy secondhand, um, but it's out of print. Uh, no well-worn paths. I had to borrow it because I've given mine away. No idea who to. Um, but um, Terry started uh, New Frontiers, and uh, this is his biography about what happened as he started it off. And I just want to start with uh, reading some of his story. Um, Saved in the 1950s during the days of Billy Graham's greatest impact on Britain, I tried as an outsider to find my way into the evangelical church. Having no religious background, I came into a foreign culture and worked hard at trying to learn what the rules were. The breakout of the charismatic movement of the 1960s came to my rescue, introducing me to a new dimension of spiritual experience. But I needed more than a personal experience. I needed to become deeply involved in a community of faith and friendship where God could be known and enjoyed without the unnecessary religious trappings. I also needed a vision that would captivate me, consume my desires and energies. I believe I have found it and I believe it is a lot like the early church that Jesus started. Jesus called himself the way. And his early disciples were called the followers of the way. They were on a journey, a pilgrimage of discovery and delight. There were no well-worn paths ahead of them, but the Holy Spirit was their guide, and the ancient scriptures were now illuminated by the leadership and writings of the New Testament apostles and prophets who began to establish the new community, the church. And that final bit is kind of the key of of what I want to express this morning. That actually, with the Holy Spirit as their guide, 
and the ancient scriptures being illuminated, they then were able to start what we now know as the church. My um, experience of, of growing up in the, in the church, I was uh, brought up um, in a Baptist church from a, a really young age, um, well, since I was born, and um, I can't get much younger than that, can you? And, um, and uh, I was in kind of normal, what you'd experience now in many Baptist churches, kind of fairly traditional, hymn prayer sandwich kind of church. And, um, and in the 1980s, um, the Holy Spirit started to be really talked about. And I know Terry says it was kind of the 60s, but I think by the time it reached Essex, where I was, that was the 80s. <laughs> And uh, I remember going to a place called Pilgrim's Hall, which is still there as a retreat centre now. But actually, at the time, it was this real kind of melting pot of what God was doing. And we'd all go there for kind of extended sessions of worship. And we'd go there to hear people coming to preach about what God was doing and about how the Holy Spirit changed the way that we worship. It changed our very understanding. And I remember experiencing that and feeling that well, this is something different to um, what my normal church experience is. But it wasn't different to my feeling. It wasn't different to what had already gone on. I remember being about five years old and being in school. I'd just gone from um, the reception kind of classes into the infants. Um, we started school at three where I lived. Um, probably a bit early but um, and so I'd gone up into the big school at five and I remember being in assembly and just worshipping God and my friends going what are you doing? (laughs) and I was like I'm worshipping Jesus and they were just like what? but I just remember that um, feeling that I still have now when I worship of actually I understand my saviour and I have that community with him when I worship and uh, that was my experience as a young boy and it hasn't changed so I'd already understood that there was the Holy Spirit that he came to me but I needed to be taught about that I needed to understand it When I was at uh, university, I spent a a good chunk of time going to Westminster Chapel. And uh, Westminster Chapel um, was the the church where Martin Lloyd-Jones had done all of his preaching. If you've read kind of commentaries on Ephesians and Romans, you've probably read Martin Lloyd-Jones. And uh, he changed people's understanding. Um, But when I was there, R.T. Kendall was there. And over, over two years... He preached about 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Three chapters, two years of preaching. He'd often preach on one word. And the teaching was incredible. The worship was dull and boring. But the preaching was amazing. And I stuck with the church because what he was teaching was actually transformative. But actually, there wasn't that kind of sense of what God was doing. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones had said this before R.T. Kendall even came to uh, speak um, and uh, be the, the, the leader of Westminster Chapel. 
He said, if your doctrine of the Holy Spirit does not include the idea of the Holy Spirit falling upon people, it is seriously, grievously defective. This, it seems to to me, has been the trouble, especially during the last century. The whole notion of the Holy Spirit falling upon people has been discountenanced. I.e., people have just kind of gone, nah, that never happens these days, and discouraged. Surely one of the prime explanations of the present state of the, Christmas, the Christian church is this. So he was saying, if we don't understand that the Holy Spirit comes and changes us, then actually we won't experience what God has to offer us. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. And that's when Paul starts, as he starts to speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as he starts to talk about how love changes us. As he starts that famous few chapters, he starts saying, it's been sorely misunderstood. And I think actually the things of the Spirit are still sorely misunderstood. I read this recently, and uh, this is R.T. Kendall, after he'd uh, retired, and uh, he's back in the U.S. now, he's still preaching. But he says, most of my own preaching over the years, I I wish it wasn't true, has been almost entirely word preaching, with little power. When people listen to me, they would say, thank you for your word. But that's what they came for. That's what they got. They did not come to see anything, but they came to hear. But the simultaneous combination of word and spirit coalescing in great measure will result in spontaneous combustion. He's saying, actually, if we understand both things together, not all word, not all spirit, actually, we see something different. I remember sometimes at university we used to go to a place called Kensington Temple, which was um, one of these churches that, um, I would call it fluffy, Um, kind of lots of work of the Holy Spirit, but very little word. But we'd go there because actually we wanted to encounter God. We wanted to have that experience, and we weren't necessarily getting that in the other churches we were going to. There wasn't this balance. And... um, And so we were kind of stuck with, you go to hear the word, or you go to encounter God, but actually the two things don't seem to happen in the same place. And I remember when we got married, um, it was basically house church or established church. There There wasn't really anything in between, and you know, I'm talking about getting to the end of the 90s here. But there wasn't very commonly, especially in the north of England anyway, um, anything that was in between. So um, we ended up, um, when we got married, in St. Michael of Belfry in York, which actually had both. It had word and spirit. It was one of the first HTB-like Church of England's. And um, it was a great place to start off our married life, where actually we were able to experience God, but hear proper preaching as well. And why have I told you about my experience of church life? You probably think, well, that's not my experience. 
I think we forget our history at our peril. R.T. Kendall, Martin Lloyd-Jones, they're kind of reflecting back. Terry, as he writes his book, even though that's now a long time ago, was reflecting back of, this is where I've come from. This is the experiences that I've had that have helped shape me, helped shape my theology. And uh, I just want to share a few verses this morning, which I, I think hopefully will help you reflect on some of what you've had in the past but also about some of what you have now. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine says, Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Now, he didn't, he didn't put that a different way. He didn't say you don't understand the scriptures because you don't have the Holy Spirit. He didn't say you don't understand the Holy Spirit because you haven't studied the scriptures enough. He said, no, you're not experiencing what God has for you because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Both are essential. And we miss one of them, we become very lopsided and we don't actually um, have what it is that God wants for us. We are invited into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Not a nominal awareness of the Holy Spirit. We are invited into fellowship. That's having time with him. Experiencing him, walking with him through our everyday lives. We cannot afford to underplay the role of the Holy Spirit in our personal life or in the life of the church. Because otherwise, we miss out on what he has for us. Galatians 3 starts like this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus' Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. You've got to remember that the Galatian church, most of them would never have been around in Jerusalem They hadn't been there. Some of them probably weren't even born at the time of Christ's crucifixion. So he's saying, even if you'd seen a picture, you wouldn't understand it. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles amongst you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you've heard about Christ. So there's two bits in there, isn't there? Believing and understanding who God is. Understanding the message, the gospel message. So we need, to, we need to be taught. We need to understand the word. But actually, to see those miracles, to see things change, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Galatian church, they were going off and they were trying 
They were trying very hard to do stuff. But actually, they weren't seeing God move amongst them. They weren't seeing the miracles anymore. Because it was all about their effort. And Paul says to them, it's not about your effort. It's about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what's important. So we need word and spirit together. Paul again, um, in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 19. Um, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. They already believed in Jesus. They'd already heard that bit. But they didn't understand the full picture. And when they did, when they understood the person of the Holy Spirit wasn't um, something that just merely was a seal in them, like it says in the beginning of Ephesians 1, you know, you're sealed in the Spirit when you're saved. Yes. But actually there's more to the Holy Spirit than that sealing. Because we're told to be filled and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing process. And when they understood that and hands were laid on them, they suddenly were filled. And it changed them. They prophesied. They spoke in tongues. Their whole persona changed. Because they understood the word, but they were filled with the Spirit. They had been missing out. It says in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your heart. I think it's great sometimes that actually, um, you musicians, you are great today. Um, but it wasn't, we didn't get the polished, did we, today? You know what? The presence of God was no less tangible. We were able to make songs, make um, beautiful music to Jesus together. And he no less heard it because the technology didn't work and the word wasn't on the screen at the perfect moment. He heard our heart. He understood because we were having that experience of communing, having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Terry Virgo said, When we read the Bible, we cannot fail to see that the power of God was demonstrated Through the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an add-on. It was integral to the way the church was expanding in the New Testament. And part of the way um, we want to have our church is like a New Testament church. That's why 
we're like we are. We want to emulate the New Testament church, and Dave's going to talk about that next week. Maybe I've just wrecked what you were going to speak about because I've trailed it incorrectly. Um, <laughs> but Terry goes on to say, we won't see revival without churches grounded in the word and rooted in the Holy Spirit. We need both. Ephesians 2 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens, along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, that's us, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. As we gather as his church, he dwells among us by his Holy Spirit. It's not that he goes, great to see you this week closes the door again and goes off somewhere else. He dwells among us. We, his church, are the place he dwells through his Holy Spirit. And actually, when we get that, he changes us individually. He changes us corporately. So I want to plead today that actually we are a church of the word where we understand what the word says, but that we are a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And the thing is, that's not 50-50. It's 100% word, 100% Holy Spirit. It will change our worship. It will change the relationships we have. It will change our approach. It will change what God does Amongst us. And so when I come on a Sunday, that's my prayer. That actually we will be hearers and doers of the word, yes. But we will be people who are full and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to stop there. Um, I'd love the um, musicians to come back.